Welcome to Radio Tambua, an outreach of ACFA, the Africa Center for Apologetics Research. ACFA equips God's people for the defense of the faith, biblical discernment, and cult evangelism. Let's begin today's message. So our devotion comes from Acts chapter 20. I am going to read from verses 17 to around verses 32, even though I will not be commenting on each and every verse. Now this is what the word of the Lord says. From my letters, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you, From the first day I came into the province of Asia, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in the Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardship are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Now, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of any of you, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you, and will not spare the flock. Even from within your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember for three years I never stopped warning each of you, night and day, with tears. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, as he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. When Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them most was his statement that they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. So this morning, 
we open our training with a group of elders, pastors, bishops, if you may, leaders of the different churches in the city of Ephesus, gathered around the Apostle Paul, one of the greatest men of God that ever lived, a man who has left to us about 13 letters in the New Testament that we actually are foundational for today's teaching and theology. This company of elders are in tears because they have just heard not only powerful words, but very scaring words. The Apostle Paul says, you will never see my face again. So if you may, you can call this a farewell address from a faithful man of God. For about three and a half years, the Apostle Paul had been teaching in the churches in Ephesus. And somewhere in the verses before he said that I preached to you day and night in public and in private from house to house and with tears. In fact, he says, I have proclaimed the whole will of God to you. Anything you ever needed to know God, to grow in God, to teach and shepherd your church, Paul says, I have told it to you. In fact, he says, as I leave this part of the world, never to return again, I want you to know, I am innocent of the blood of all men. Nobody can ever blame me for not having been a faithful preacher of the gospel. If anyone should end up in hell, if any church should end up in trouble or in error, it is not because I did not preach to you. It is because you did not listen, you did not obey, or you did not put into practice what I taught you from the word of God. Now, brothers, as we gather here this morning, as leaders of the churches within Bunyorochitaya Diocese, it is very important that we ask ourselves such a critical question. As pastors and shepherds of God's flock, have we really been proclaiming God's word faithfully in a way that our church members in Bunyorochitaya can testify before us and say, you have told us everything we need to know. You are innocent of our blood if any one of us should perish. What we are hearing here is a faithful witness from the Apostle Paul. A man who understood his calling as a church leader and a shepherd. And a man who did everything possible even at the very risk of his own lives to shepherd the church of God. He had to fight against Jewish opponents who were opposing his teachings. He had to go through a lot of troubles. Several times he was on the sea. Many times he was beaten. A number of times he went hungry. But no matter what he went through, Paul says, I have told you everything you need to know. One challenge of church leaders in our day to day is the failure to faithfully proclaim the good news of the gospel to God's people. That as pastors, we have a temptation of coming into church leadership as a job. And so we do things not by delight, but by duty. We do things because we want to please the senior leadership, but not necessarily because we want to honor Christ who called us. We see church members as means for offertory and tithing, as means for growing our parishes and our archdeaconaries, but we never really see them as the flock of sheep that God has put under our care to shepherd. 
And the Apostle Paul brings a striking challenge to each one of us. As a pastor, as a church leader, are you being a faithful shepherd that God has called you to be? Are you? And if you are not, do you recognize that there is a huge level of responsibility on your shoulders and that God one day will hold you accountable? Listen to what he said from verses uh, 25. He says that now I know that none of you among whom I have gone preaching the gospel or the kingdom of rather preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. And then he says that therefore I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of all men. I have checked myself. I have checked my ministry. I have looked at my calling. I am convinced that I have served God and as he expects me to be. What a striking challenge for all of us. But even beyond that, he reminds the pastor that you are not just a pastor because you were ordained into that church or the bishop sent you into that church. You are a pastor because there is a special calling upon your life. In verses 28, he says, Keep watch over yourselves and over all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Who has made you overseers in the church of God? The Holy Spirit. You are not a pastor because you went to theological school. You are not a pastor because the archdeacon appointed you and commissioned you to go and serve a certain parish. No. Much as those things are good, much as those things are human and ecclesiastical qualifications, but more importantly, your core has its source and its founding in the work of the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit who put his finger on you, who picked you out of the so many people that were in the church and called you and said, I set you apart to become a shepherd of my people. Now, if every one of us understood that our calling comes directly from the Holy Spirit, how would this shape our ministry? How would this shape the way in which we serve the people that God has put under our care? If the Holy Spirit has given you a job, it means that he is going to hold you accountable. When you stand before him on that day, and he asks you how you did your ministry and your service to the people of Nyorochitara Diocese, Will you, like the Apostle Paul, say, I have proclaimed the whole will of God and I am innocent of the blood of all men? Is it possible that you will be found when you have missed the mark? Is it possible that you might find that your motivations for being a pastor and serving in the gospel ministry were actually wrongly pressed? Now is the time for you to evaluate, why am I really in pastoral ministry? Am I here because I wanted a job? Am I here because I was the most theologically educated so the archdeacon picked me? Am I here because I just love to be seen by people as I stand on the pulpit and put on my nice collar? Or am I in church ministry because I recognize that the Holy Spirit has called me? When pastors understand who their supervisor is, who their supreme boss is, and that this is the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, their ministry changes never to be the same again. They begin to serve with faithfulness. They begin to serve with fear of what the Holy Spirit is thinking about them. 
They begin to examine their own personal lives to make sure that they are right with God. And that is why the Apostle Paul began by saying, keep watch over yourselves and then over all the flock of God. It begins with you. As a pastor, if you are not watching over your, over your own spiritual life, if you yourself are not growing in God's truth and His grace, how can you lead people to a place where you have never been? If you as a pastor do not have a relationship with Jesus, how are you going to lead people into a relationship with Jesus? The Apostle Paul says that effective, powerful church ministry begins with the minister. If the pastor is not okay, the church behind him cannot be okay. And that's why we invited you here today. Because you are the watchmen of God's church and his flock. You are the gatekeepers. You can open for whoever you want. You can close for whoever you want. You can open for good, faithful preachers to come and feed your flock, or you can open for wrong, false teachers to come and destroy God's people. And that's why Paul says it begins with you. Keep watch over yourselves. As a pastor, are you being faithful in your own relationship with Christ? Are you growing in God's word? Are you growing in God's grace? And if you can give ticks to all those, then you can now say, I am in position to watch over God's people that he has put under my care. But I also want you to see another important reason why your ministry among God's people is extremely important. Paul, first of all, tells us that it is important because the Holy Spirit has called you and you will give him an accountability someday. But number two, he says, be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. Paul says that the church belongs to God. It's not yours. This archdeaconry, as much as it is under Bunyorochitara diocese, it's not for the bishop. Ultimately, it is for God. The church is God's people gathered together in faithful witness of his name. And Paul, having said that the church belongs to God, he also reminds the elders of the churches in Ephesus how valuable this church is. Notice what he says, that the church of God, which he has purchased by his own blood. Now, of course, by uh, Luke using this word, he is not saying that God is the one who died. He's talking about Jesus. Jesus, the second person of the Trinity. Jesus, who is God himself, is the one who died. And by his precious blood has purchased everybody who has become part of the church of God. Now, if God thought that the church was so important, that he was willing to shed the blood of his own precious blood to save it, how much more should you as a pastor consider the church as important? You remember those famous words we read in John chapter 3, verse 16? For God so loved the world that he what? He gave his only, only begotten son. He gave the highest gift ever. The greatest sacrifice ever, that through the blood and the death of his son, he may purchase a people for himself out of the slavery of Satan. And these are the people God has put under your care. The people that God considers extremely important that he would give up his only son to save them. And having saved them, he brought them under your care and said, shepherd my people. Now, if God thinks they are worth that much, 
How much more should you as a pastor think about this church and even shepherd them carefully and, and fearfully so that none of them will be lost? And Paul is saying the church is important. God's people are more valuable in his eyes. And you as a pastor, if you do not take care of them carefully, as God expects you to, their blood will be on your head. If any of them should be lost because you were careless as a leader, or you did not shepherd them well, the blood is on your head. If any one of them should be spiritually sick or any one of them should be led into error by false teachers, God will hold you accountable because you are the gate man. You are the watchman. You are the one who takes care of the sheep. It is your responsibility to make sure that the wolves and the dogs don't come in and destroy God's sheep. And Paul is saying, because the church is valuable, and because you have been called in a special way by the Holy Spirit, you have a responsibility to watch over his flock. But notice that he doesn't stop there. Number three, an important point that he makes that I think is worth looking at, it is begins from verses 29. He says that I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from within your own ranks or from within your own men, men will arise up and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. Paul says that if there is one more reason why you should watch over God's people even more carefully as a leader, is because the church is under attack. It is because the enemies of the gospel are coming to distort, to deny, to doubt, to destroy what God has established in his church. He identifies two major dangers that are coming against the church. One, he identifies them as savage wolves that are coming from outside. And by wolves, he is talking about people whose intention is to destroy the church because wolves come to eat and to destroy the sheep, right? They don't come to befriend them. They don't come to just check on them. When a wolf comes among the sheep, it has one goal, to eat the sheep. And he's saying that after I leave, I know that savage wolves are coming. And these wolves have one goal, to destroy the church of God, to destroy the members. Now these wolves today are what we could identify as cults and false teachers. Now I don't know how much you know about cults in this region. But when I use the word cult, I am thinking about religious groups that claim to be Christian but actually are not, who through their teaching and their practices seek to deceive church members, seek to take them away from the teachings of the Christian faith into error. To be point blank, a group like that, for instance, could be like faith of unity. Much as faith of unity does not expressly claim to be Christian, but it uses some Christian language. It borrows some Christian teachings from the Bible while denying it interestingly. But what is the goal? To take members out of the body of Christ into their fellowship in which they are taught things that contradict what God has taught us. You will remember, or maybe you probably even agree with me, that the thousands and millions of people that are members of faith of unity today, most of them were at one time Anglicans. 
baptized confirmed in church some of them wedded even right in church but today they are members of faith of unity a group that chooses to recognize a dead man as their god a group that goes against god's design and plan for marriage choosing polygamy instead of one man one wife a group that denies the bible as the scriptures the ordained word of god and is now trusting and believing in the book of the age of oneness one time these people were anglicans some of them were your members right sitting before you sunday in sunday out but savage wolves have divided them and the apostle paul is saying as a pastor you must be a watchman over the flock to make sure that wolves will not come in and devour god's people but he also talks about certain men who are already within it is very easy to look at enemies outside they are easily identifiable if someone came here and he was coming from faith of unity you are likely to recognize them maybe by their uniform you might recognize them maybe because they will not be putting on shoes you might see them carrying the yellow book the book of the age of oneness you might see by their hairstyle you might see them maybe by how they behave as they walk into the house of god they are easy to identify and they are not trying to hide they are saying we belong to obsobos but are you aware that there are so many other false teachers today who are not easy to identify who look like us in every way some of them might even have gone to theological college and ordained and they are putting on collars but while they claim to be christian they are actually not jesus gives a grave warning in matthew chapter 7 verse 15 where he says that watch out for false prophets for they come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly are greedy wolves they look like sheep outwardly they behave like sheep in so many ways but in reality on the inside he says they are wolves and we already talked about what wolves come to do right today we have a breed of false prophets false pastors false apostles For some of you who have been to Kampala you are hearing of big fellowships like from Faneru prophets like prophet Elvis Mbonye and several others who come in claiming to be God's men of the day but actually seek to teach things that contradict the teachings of the Christian faith and they have one goal to break the church of God and make take away disciples after them Paul says even from within your own ranks from within your own church not out there men will rise up what do they do they distort the truth they may not even deny it by the way no cultist is going to come here and say you know what reverence me i don't believe jesus rose from the dead but i guess i am okay no most of them will claim to believe the things that christianity teaches but then they will distort them in such a way that if you are not careful you might not even realize they have distorted them and that is why Nehemiah was telling us that one of the things we are going to need to know or to have in our fight against these false teachers is what he called discernment okwaura to be able to tell the difference between what is true and what looks like true but actually is not true 
If you don't know how to tell the difference between teachings or between things, you are likely to be deceived. And that's what Paul is saying here. That the men are already within the church and what they do is they distort the truth. They lift it up with one hand, destroy it with the other, and what you end up with is not the word of God. And so Paul says, you have a responsibility as pastors to watch over God's flock, the people that God has purchased by his own blood. And you must watch over them, especially because of the threat of false teachers, the threat of enemies of the gospel, both who are coming from out as wolves and men who are already within whose goal is to seek to distort. So what does the Apostle Paul say then by way of conclusion? In verse 32 he says, Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among those who are set apart. How does a pastor faithfully not only establish a clear and faithful relationship with God, but even more importantly, prepare and guard his church from the enemies of our faith? Number one, that pastor must be committed to God, and only as he grows in his relationship with God, does he lead people to the same God? Number two, that person must be committed to the word of God's grace. That for any pastor to protect and provide for his flock, he must be grounded in God's word. Because God's word is the only manual book or guide that we have in our Christian faith and for all of life. A pastor who does not know what is true cannot know what is false. A pastor who has not been challenged and changed by the word of God cannot change his people by mere words. It is easy to stand on the pulpit and give people false promises, how they will be rich, how they will get married, how they will have a lot of money. But if those promises are not coming from God's word, they cannot change or save anyone. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And how do you know the truth? As you study God's word, because God's truth is found in God's word. In other words, pastors who are not growing in the teachings of scripture are not in position to help, are not in position to save their own flock from the error of false teachers in our day. A faithful pastor must be grounded in God's word. A faithful pastor must teach God's people God's word. In other words, your worship service must be Bible-centered. A faithful pastor must himself understand what we call the central teachings of the Christian faith. What are those things that Christianity stands on that makes it Christian? Which, if you remove those things, you actually cannot be a Christian. What does the Bible say about God, for instance? What does the Bible say about Jesus in his life, in his death, in his resurrection, in his second coming? What does the Bible say about salvation? How are people made right with God? Those are what we are calling the central teachings of the Christian faith, the foundational teachings. When those things are not clearly taught in any church, such a church cannot grow into godliness Members cannot become Christians or saved because they have not been taught how to be. 
and a good pastor will have a clear understanding of what Christianity teaches and seek to teach the very things to his flocks. But number three, before I even sit down, a good pastor must have what we have called discernment, the ability to test what he is hearing so that he can tell the difference between what is true and what is known. The Bible gives us several Bible passages in which we are called to test, and in one of our teachings you will be hearing us talking about discernment again and again and giving you some details and examples. But a good faithful pastor must be able to test what he is teaching, test what other people are teaching, and make sure that his congregation is receiving the right teaching, the right word, the right food that will feed the flock into health and into holiness. But finally, a good pastor must exercise a compassionate attitude, especially towards members of the congregation who are lost or who are about to be lost. Like I have told you, most of the people who are in faith of unity today were at one time Anglicans. In fact, some of them are still Anglicans. Every Sunday they are with you in church. But on the 2nd and on the 12th and on the 23rd, they are at the Itambiru of Obsobusibisaka. So they are members of the Anglican Church by membership, by registration. But in their teaching and theology, they are actually members of Obsobus. Now as a pastor who has such members in your congregation, who are confused about what biblical Christianity really is, how are you going to lead them? How are you going to disciple them? If you do not exercise compassion and you are able to love them and understand them and provide a, a conducive atmosphere in which you can challenge their beliefs and teach them God's word faithfully, you cannot win those people back into the Christian faith. A pastor has a big heart. A pastor is a man with great compassion. But a pastor is also a man with great courage. He is not afraid to speak the truth in love. He is not afraid to correct those who are in error. The goal of correction is not to show that he is powerful, but to restore God's people back into the truth. A faithful pastor is a messenger that proclaims the gospel of God's truth very clearly. He seeks to explain the word of God in the simplest terms possible so that the flock under his care is able to understand what he's saying, is able to trust what he's saying, is able to practice what he's saying. And as they believe and practice what they are believing, it changes their behavior, it changes their lifestyle, it changes their understanding. It changes their marriages. Above all, it changes their fellowship at church. And that is how God's people are guided and are guarded, especially from the threats of false teachers. I want to challenge you today, even as we continue to study throughout the whole of this day, to continue reminding you that this is a great moment that God has given us today to be able to share with you. A month ago, we did not even know we would ever come to Bunyorochtar. But because of the death of Obsobos Bisaka, we were concerned that we really needed to come and speak to the church leaders in Bunyorochtar and see if we can help you start some discussions on how best you can shepherd God's church, especially from the false teaching that surrounds your community and cultures today. We are so glad that God has given us this opportunity. 
We don't know if we will ever have another seminar of this kind in Mnyorochitara. So while we have this day, I hope that we can effectively utilize it, interact with you, learn from one another, faithfully open up God's word and hear what God wants us to know and to teach moving forward. And my prayer for you is that God will give you the grace not only to understand his word, but to make a resolve to go back to your parish, to go back to your churches, and put into practice what you are learning, that you may become the faithful shepherds who will shepherd God's flock faithfully, protect God's flock from false teachers and from error, and above all, remember that the Holy Spirit who has called you one day is going to ask you for an accountability. May God bless you. To learn more about the Africa Center for Apologetics Research, visit us at africanapologetics.org.